Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 425th episode of Constructed Chrism. I'm your host, Mason, and I'm joined by my co-host, Abe, this week. And Abe, what is your favorite anime that you've seen recently? My favorite anime that I've seen recently, it's actually, I believe the season finale is this Saturday. It's uh, Awashi, which is a sports anime about a soccer player who's mm-hmm. like... Uh, just some kid from the middle of nowhere, you know, like rural Japan. And then he wants to go pro at soccer and kind of starts his, his hero's journey there. It's been a really, really interesting ride. It's gone lots of different places and I'm really, really excited to see how the season ends and hope fingers crossed. We get a season two out of that one. I love, love my sports animes, but the worst part about them is they very rarely get renewed. Yeah. Great show. I love that one. I've been watching it recently. Our other co-host, Spencer, is going to be out for this week. He has got some stuff going on in his life, so we couldn't have him here today. But don't worry, we do have a special guest joining us for this episode. We have Will Krieger, better known probably as X-Whale, coming on, talking about improving in magic and his kind of journey and everything in between. We're going to have that in the middle of the show. But first, we do need to do Always Improving, because that is the main point of the show. And Abe, speaking of being out, you've been on vacay for the last couple of weeks, so I think it's your turn to go first. What was your Always Improving moment for this little bit? Yeah, so I've been... Well, on two-week vacay to visit my girlfriend and just like take some time away from magic, away from from a lot of a lot of things with work and stuff. And it was really nice. And I spent a lot of that time really able to reflect on a lot of the change that's gone on in my life, especially since the pandemic and, and mostly since like twenty nineteen, a lot of my involvement with magic has changed, having this job has changed a lot of things, you know, having a lot of this relationship like that has changed a lot of things. And something that kind of had started to make me feel a bit uncomfortable was the fact that like, I have not really had a lot of opportunity with all of these things going on in my, you know, much more important personal life to play as much magic as I used to and play as many RCQs or even like magic online RCQs or really stay as plugged in to competing as I thought I might uh, with the announcement coming, but really taking the time to take a step back, evaluate like what I have in my life, what I have going on for me, you know, what I have going on in magic still, like the fact that I still, when I do play, I feel like I'm competing at still a really high level and succeeding in the events that I'm playing in. Um, Like I've only played three RCQs, but um, I've had very good shots in all of them to qualify. And I felt extremely good about that. And so when I, when I left for vacation, I really had this feeling of, uh, of discomfort about where I was um, with magic, that I kind of, unraveled over the weeks I was gone but after coming back I really come back with a, a refreshed and new feeling of like this is just a change in my lifestyle and I do want to be able to make sure magic is still a priority where I'm able to compete for future seasons it just hasn't been what's been in the cards for me right now and I feel very comfortable uh, in a way that I didn't before like you know earlier this month about where I'm at with magic and my skill and everything and so that's been like a really really important important improving moment for me is just allowing myself, especially as I go through a change that isn't one that I've had to go through as far as my involvement with magic in a very long time, you know, I was playing the SCG circuit every, you know, every PBTQ, I was really grinding for, you know, the better part of like four or five years. And so to see all of that change is kind of the new landscape of competitive magic is forming and how my life has changed since then being able to, to level with that has been like a huge game changer for me and, and how comfortable I feel with allocating the time I need to. Yeah, it, it's big to have that like 
balance and also not only balance, but also like the, the shock from changing. Right. It's kind of like when you've done a bunch of like, if you like, if you go to like, if you're someone like my dad who like plays tennis every morning, the days where he doesn't play tennis for like two days in a row, he feels weird and it's jarring, you know, like this, like a routine nature. And it can be really hard and it can be just kind of difficult sometimes to, like switch away from that, especially when it's like been so much for your identity a lot during your, like, you know, your formative years, right? Like, you start, like, if, you know, correct me wrong here, but kind of like, you know, 19 to 24, you're doing this all the time or whatever. Those are, like, really big formative years, so the switch has got to be jarring. And uh, I'm really happy that things are kind of working out and you're kind of at peace and doing well with that sort of switch. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been been weird. It's a weird part of life to live. So, um, but I, but I feel good about where I'm at with it. And it's kind of been affirming to feel like, oh, I know I've been busy with all these other things that are very important in my life that aren't magic. Um, and magic's taking a backseat to those. But like, it's affirming to my love of, of competing in magic where I'm like, but I still want to do it. You know, I, I'm okay with where I'm at with it. And I'm really cher- cherishing and treasuring the times I get to. And I still want to be really good, which is something that I think if you asked me two or three years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I really just want to be all in on this no matter what it costs. It's like, now I'm like, I'm very comfortable with where I am and being as, as in on it as I am, being able to do things like this show and keeping up with it in that way, playing the events that I can play, balancing my life with magic in it is like, you know, this kind of new way of looking at it that I think is going to really help me be able to succeed. So it's awesome. Glad to hear that for everybody. My uh, always improving moment comes from this past weekend where I, uh, I played a team 10K RCQ up in Kentucky. And the the goal of the event was uh, I teamed with uh, two of my good friends, Jesse and Zoe. And Zoe was not qualified for Atlanta. And so the mission was get Zoe to Atlanta. We can only do that if we win. That's what we've got to do. And personally, with team tournaments, there's a lot of, like, anxiety. So I, I like, struggle with anxiety just in the day to life pretty heavily. And I've gotten a lot better since I was younger, but when I was younger, it was like near debilitatingly uh, when it came to anxiety, it was really bad. And that sort of rears its head at team tournaments where it's like, oh, like I need to do this. I need to make sure not only my team gets down, blah, blah, and all these sort of things. And with this event, I was, it was a little different where A, I felt like our chances were like reasonably good. Like I felt like we had like a nine or 10% chance of success, which I think is like, a pretty high percentage to like win a magic tournament, especially like a 10 K where like, you know, people are going to come to game or whatever. I felt confident as a team, but also like I was able to be like, no, like I am here to play the best I can just do the best I can. And like my friends are not going to care. Zoe's not going to care. Like all I can do is just do my best and that'll be fine. And like let the anxiety kind of melt away. And, you know, we ended up winning that tournament and getting Zoe to Atlanta and that was a really big, like, kind of helpful improvement where I was like, oh, like, I don't need to worry about this. This isn't a huge problem. And often for me, really, it's the leading up to the event and into the first round. And then after that, I normally feel good. But, like, basically from Friday to when the event started, I was fine. And normally that's, like, a really big, like, non-stomach, really kind of having a lot of anxiety about it. So that was kind of a huge thing and really, like, had me in high spirits and, you know, kind of was able to, like, parlay the next day and actually, like, concede in the finals of the 5k the next day to another friend to help them get to the rc so that was a kind of just like a sick like euphoric high weekend where it's like got to win a 10k help a friend get to the rc make it to the finals of a 5k help another friend get to the rc and like you know like it was just awesome i know so it was a really like 
awesome weekend. Not even to mention, you know, get to like back to backs and like that, which is really cool. So but yeah. you just get to like decide who gets to go to every regional championship that happens in, in the South. Like every event, you got to go through Mason. He's got to say yes or no. <laughs> yeah, I'm out here blocking him alive then. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, I guess that's how it's working out here now, you know. It is funny that I qualified for the RC. Like, honestly, Caleb's a friend or whatever, but the matchup was really good and I was on the play as Modern Green versus Grease Fang. So I feel like I could have queued three times for the RC, which is kind of crazy because I also did it all at, I did it two 10Ks and a 5K. Like my RCs were all very hard. <laughs> but no, but yeah, I don't know. It got very lucky. But yeah, uh, it was cool to have that sort of like to get over that hump or whatever. And hopefully going forward, that will not be a thing I have to deal with again. So yeah, you know, it's really funny you talk about the... Um about like having anxiety about tournaments and stuff because I always know you as a competitor is like the oh yeah match three game three of the team event oh put it all on me that I love that I unironically love like when, when all the chips are on me which it actually were for this last event and in the semifinals it came down to me now playing it's Esper control I'm up a game everyone in the hall is watching me everyone's gathered around all the judges are watching I live for it I love it but, uh, you know, going into it beforehand, it's like, oh, no, scary. <laughs> but, you know, if every match could come down to me in a tournament, in a team tournament, I'd love it. That's how I want it. I've been watching a lot of, um, I don't know if you know that Sakurai has a YouTube channel about, like, video game development mm-hmm. now. And so he did this one which just, like, talk about, like, the fundamentals of games. I think it's, like, pretty interesting to watch. And it was, like, applying stress and then allowing the player to relieve that stress, like, that is what a game is really about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the anxiety, whatever, that's just stress that you're generating internally. But the external stress, I know that you handle really well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't even know that really that much about you, that you get that anxious about most of the events you play on, like, the Friday night, the, yeah. the Saturday morning while you're walking to the hall or whatever. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. If you'll notice, I always have to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like, on the... Even, even like, single events, it'll still sometimes catch me where I get, like, anxious until about round one ends to round two. Yeah, yeah, until you until you shuffled up and played and had that yeah. had that weighted blanket of tournament pressure exactly. really yeah. calm you down. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the best ever. Do woohoo, and then you know move on. <laughs> and so you know that's kind of what it's like. As for housekeeping, so last week we mentioned we were going to announce the date for the CC standard event for patrons, much like we had our Pioneer one about a month ago. Now, unfortunately, due to just everything going on in life and some things we weren't able to have that meeting. So we haven't had time to sit down and look at the schedule. So we're just going to tell you that when we have the time, I'm not going to tell you like, Hey, we're going to hopefully have it sooner than later. Ideally we'll know in the next two or three weeks, but just everything going on right now, life's really crazy for everyone. And there's just a lot of stuff going on. It's just hard to even get the podcast out, to be honest. So that's going to come. What's going to come. I'm sorry, patrons. Hopefully understand. Um, we'll try to give you ample time so that, you know, you're able to do that sort of thing. And that's something you want to do. And speaking of having ample time, Abe, you're going to want to make sure to check out GG Lehigh and have ample time to check out their huge inventory of cards and see everything they have and want to be able to buy from them. You can check out the code link in the description and also on the Discord. If you're a patron, you have your special discount code there. So that's really exciting. And you know what else is really exciting, Abe? We've got... A special guest, the NRG MVP, the current Mox champion and friend of ours, Will Kruger, probably better known to a lot of y'all as X-Whale. Will, thank you for coming on the show to talk about improving in Magic today. Hey, uh, thank you for, for having me. How's it going? 
it's going well. We're really excited to talk to you. You know, a lot of your like deck lists and tweet uh, tweets and stuff like that and finishes get brought up with a lot of our listeners. And I think a lot of your story and like improving in magic really resonates with a lot of people as well. But so we can kind of start with that, I think, just in case someone maybe doesn't know you. So how did you start playing magic? Uh, I mean, how does anybody start playing? I was uh, I was in middle school, and uh, some of my friends started playing, and they were going to the comic store, and then I started going to the comic store, and then I started going to tournaments, and then they started kind of going to tournaments, and then they stopped going to tournaments, and then it was me and uh, Magic. You know what I mean? I mean, I still have my, I'm still friends. Like a lot of those guys are my best friend. We're actually all at like a house over the summer. There's like 20 of us. It was awesome. But that, that's that wasn't for Magic. That was just for other life stuff. But yeah, it was. Um, I mean, this is just how, it's just like the, the same story you hear from everybody, right? Where it's like, yeah, me and my friends did it when we were kids. And then I just sort of, I liked it and I built relationships through it and I just kept doing it. And it's a good outlet. And mm-hmm. just kept doing it for I mean, a long time now, like what, seven, eight years or whatever since, uh, I guess I like, I like first played, I was like, in, like actually elementary school, but we were, we are out, we were just obviously children, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's normal. Yeah. So when did you start doing Mitko and like trying to like actually compete and improve in Magic? When did that kind of start in your whole journey? Do you have like mm-hmm. an idea? The sheet that they put out for the mocks, it said my account was made in 2015. So I would have been like 15 or 16 years old or whatever, but I wasn't really like I, I had it for a long time and I was like, I just thought it wasn't very good or whatever, um, which is fine, obviously. But it was like, so I made my account in 2015 and then I don't know, like maybe I'm. I remember, like, I started playing a lot. Um, it's, like, the biggest thing for me, like, I wanted to play more, but I, I wouldn't play as much because I wasn't very good. And, like, I had to keep putting money into Magic Online. And, like, when you're, like, 16 or 17 or 18 years old or whatever, and, like, $10 to enter here, like, one league or whatever is, like, and you're, like, losing in the leagues or whatever. I mean, leagues, I, like, maybe it's Cope, but I, I swear they were harder uh, when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> I swear, like, it's actually insane when people just play, like, complete memes or whatever. And, you know, it was, like, it's not like they were, like, actually, like, super, like, the ringer or whatever, but like, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. But then, uh, at some point I was, um, I was watching my, my aunt's dogs and like house and like plants and stuff while they were on vacation. And I just had like, it's like a bunch of time, um, because I was like kind of stuck at, at their house. Um, and like my friends were like across town and stuff. Um, so I like didn't really have much to do. And I just like had my laptop. I was like, well, I'll play some magic online. And I just like won a bunch of dredge and a bunch of, like, just like a bunch with, with dredge at some point in 2019. I feel like, I feel like I played Hogak Dredge, maybe. Like, I played something with Faith Sluting, and, like, I, I probably, I don't think I played, like, literal Hogak. I think I played, like, Dredge with Stitcher Supplier or something. I don't know. But something like that. And I was, like, winning a bunch, and I had a bunch of tickets and stuff. I guess before that, I, like, I, like, won a couple challenges when I was, like, 17, and, like, I won, like, a popper one, and then I won a modern one, like, two months later. And I was, like, dope. This is Magic Online so easy. And I just, like, <laughs> blew my bankroll or whatever. So I was just an idiot. And then I, I sort of, then, like, and I, then I started winning like a lot, a lot in like 2019 or whatever, uh, probably. Mm-hmm. No, 2018. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah so around the, the whole gackish time. It sounds like right. Yeah, like, something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then it really sort of ramped up over like COVID uh, because I couldn't do anything else. Really, just literally stuck. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. So I, I'm kind of curious, and I, I think one thing our like the listeners people might be kind of curious is like, how did you start? like improving at magic because you kind of mentioned like oh yeah i was playing some you know and there was probably some like paper magic stuff happening in there like you had scg blah blah blah, stuff like that yeah yeah i play the ones that come to the midwest like like indianapolis and milwaukee i'd go to Mm -hmm. um you know 
But so how did you start to like improve with like, cause you predominantly played like magic online, right? Like yeah. that's kind of like your main way of playing. I think that's uh, how a lot of people know you. And I think how, like, I remember I first found you was like, Oh, this Xwell guy like does really well in moto events all the time. And then like the e-tron stuff. So, yeah, but how did you start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for like, for worse. <laughs> I think it was good enough yeah, at the time, yeah. you know, you, you weren't as wrong as I think people said you may have been. No, it, it was fine. Yeah. It was definitely sure. Really mm-hmm. Obviously. But, but I guess, like, how, like, the question is, like, how did I, like, start, like, improving? improving? Yeah, did you, like, um, meet people on Magic Online? Did you, like, start, like, how, how did you kind of go? Because I think, like, when it's such a solitary process online, it can be a lot harder. I feel like a lot of people, they end up learning stuff because they meet someone at a tournament or at an LGS, they become friends, and that person kind of shares knowledge. And, you know, then they learn about articles and stuff like that. But I think a lot of things are taught interpersonally and not so much via, like, articles and things like that, you know? I don't know. I, I kind of just, I just played, like, a lot, like, way more than like is health like but it was covid so like whatever like mm-hmm. it, everybody you know coped with like being stuck inside i mean either by leaving and ignoring like reality and stuff and just being like oh it's fake or whatever or by just actually staying inside and like you know you know i'm sure plenty of people will cope by like going to the gym or whatever which is like probably what i should have done but um <laughs> amen brother but uh you know thank that now but whatever yeah, I just played like a bunch of ma- I just played like infinite, and especially because like right uh, when COVID started, I won a on a PTQ or a super PTQ on, on Moto, and I was like, oh wow, this is like insane, and like, and uh, I thought it they they like said it was for the first PT when COVID came back, but obviously that's like that did not happened yet, and that this was years and years ago, several years ago, not years and years, for like you know, two years, two and a half years, but obviously that ended up being for the first set of, of online. Uh, player stories or whatever uh i think it went like eight seven or whatever but like you know like the early success like kind of just took me into getting very lucky and uh then you know i just played like a year playing like every prelim and like every challenge and stuff and like there's definitely like more efficient ways to get better and stuff but like i was just in everything because i was a college student during covid and i had infinite time uh so that is probably not the most helpful thing like <laughs> oh just sink hundreds of hours in and then you too can uh can win penny <laughs> tournaments or whatever it's like okay well we knew that, uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like, I just, I just played played a lot, uh, and you know, I when I when you when you when you make a, an error or a mistake or whatever, then you just try not to do it again. I guess I don't know. Sure. If you could go back and tell the young X Whale how to like yeah. maybe get a little bit better at Magic, like you're not allowed to tell him like go to the gym or invest in you know GameStop or whatever. But you yeah, know, I mean, if you I could go back and tell yourself, yeah. you know, like how like how to get better yeah. at Magic more efficient, like what's something um, you kind of wish you had done or you know, or maybe you started doing now that's like you know a little more helpful. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, well, now I don't play like leagues like at all. Like I never play. I mean, there's some. I mean, I don't never play leagues. Like I play them when I, there's like a, a new deck or whatever. Or like I played some leagues with the green deck, um, just because like I wanted to like be able to combo and stuff. I took results like way way too seriously. Like I, I thought I and it's you really shouldn't be taking results like that seriously. Like you should you should have like an actual reason. So that doesn't mean that you're like right or whatever necessarily. But like I don't know. It's just like figuring out like what matters and like you need to like separate like the noise from from like what is like real i guess and like it's so hard to do in magic but there's so much noise there's a there's a bunch of people who they literally they make noise and there's like they say these wrong things about magic like uh and they're super argumentative about it and then there's also like tournament results that like that are like okay well this is like you need to figure out like why this is maybe representative and like why this is maybe not representative and you just need to get better at like figuring out that and it's like it's kind of arbitrary and i feel like kind of weird like saying like you need to like like you need to sort of draw the line somewhere and like you know but it's like 
I don't know, you just need to sort of figure out like what this means for your your plan or whatever. Like if your goal is to win X tournament, like let's say your goal is to win like I don't know, let's say your goal is to win Atlanta, right? Uh, the regional championship in America in like, two months or whatever. You should probably shouldn't be like, oh, well, Green won the Magic Online Challenge the week before. Like, they're going to be totally different events, I guess, or whatever. Or like, let's say, like, if you qualify for a showcase on Magic Online by top eighting one of the the showcase challenges, and then you look at like what won the challenge the week before, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense because there's like completely different tournaments. You just need to figure out. I, I don't know if this is coherent at all, but like, no, I, I think know, it makes sense. You just need to figure out what everything. You just need to get a better sense of like what things mean, and not just like, oh, well, I I, I won twenty matches in the leagues in a, in a row or whatever. So that means that you should play this at your PTQ or, or whatever. Like that is just people say like I'm like eighteen two in leagues with this deck. The deck is great or whatever. It's like, that is, that is noise. Do not listen to that. That is complete. But anyway, I mean, sorry. if I can say something, yeah, um, yeah, that I've kind of always admired about uh, you since I kind of came to know you from seeing you come across my Twitter timeline over 2019 when I was playing a ton of SEGs. Um, especially when I was looking into and keeping up with humans, which was always like my plan B deck for modern. Um, Cause there was definitely a period where you were playing, playing that a good bit. But since getting to know you, especially over the course of the green, white, like was the uh, reclaimer Titan deck. Yeah. I remember meeting you at the last SEG I went to in Indianapolis before yeah. uh, the pandemic started. And you were playing that green, white Titan deck in paper, or maybe you loaned it to someone. I was playing inverter. It was pioneer. I loaned yeah. it. I, loaned I think you loaned the modern deck to someone who I was rooming with. Yeah. And we all asked you, like, is this deck good? Like, what's what's up with it? And you were like, yeah, I don't know. And, and you never, even though you you were like, yeah, I, I win a lot with it online. It seems good. You have all of the data points to kind of point yourself towards a direction. You have a lot of evidence in front of you that you're evaluating whenever you make decisions. And from the time I've known you, you make decisions yeah. about the decks you play. You never feel too definitive for better or worse about yeah, where you're at, you. which I think it allows you to be really objective uh, and make a lot of really, really smart decisions that a lot of other players might not be able to. Like, I know I probably play Hammer way too much. Yeah, uh, me too, man. To, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know that, like, isolated from each other, you would put it down. If we were, like, just both playing every Moto prelim with, with whatever, trying to win the most, I would keep jamming hammer and doing whatever it took to win, and you would like put it down and go to greener pastures. I think yeah, I mean, I'm that... I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play four color at this uh, nerd race thing because I'm like, all right, well, I wanna I wanna win it because like I'm like uh, I'm like kind of there on points. I'm like I need to like I need to just I, I if I just top eight a couple of the ones over the fall, then I'll probably make it basically. And so I'm like, all right, well, all right, I should probably I, I would love to play hammer, but like, all right, I borrowed four color, I'll 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 you know I'll play four color or whatever, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that kind of like ability to not only admit when you're wrong, but question when you're right, that you yeah. spoke about with, um, you know, kind of divorcing yourself from your results. I think that's like a really, really big thing that sets you apart from a lot of other Magic players of, of similar skill. Thank um, you. And, and of players yeah. who have, you know, been playing for some amount of time or have had similar trajectories, where when you make that step, you're able to be more objective, you're able to clear a lot of the stuff that gets in the way of you improving. So I think that that's... Well, thank you very much. That's, that's kind of you to say, yeah. I mean, it's mostly just like chronic indecisiveness uh, <laughs> with, like, with like most aspects of my life. Um, so, you know, that, you know, it, it, good and bad, but um, yeah. Yeah, you know. it, it comes It comes with its benefits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely ways to do do what you're describing better than the way that I do it, but it is a... Uh, accidentally helpful, I guess, <laughs> sometimes.
Yeah, the, the only the person that I because I, I think of you that and the two people I think of are you and Autumn Burchett who both do that a bunch where it's just kind of uh-huh. like oh like I don't know like there's all these factors whatever despite like you know uh, I think a lot of people like Abe mentioned would use this like you know like this is like proof or whatever you know it's like well I yeah. keep winning how could it not be that case you know I went twenty zero in leagues dude how, like how can you literally like how can you play anything else I beat Model Black coffers so many times like <laughs> <laughs> I, I do <laughs> you bring up a great point actually you know what in the podcast there if you can beat coffers that's all you need to know no but I, one thing I, I you said when you were talking about this I thought was really interesting kind of maybe worth talking about is you mentioned how like oh yeah like the modern challenge was so like like it doesn't just happen so i'm going to be playing this let's say nrg or this you know the rc in atlanta it's not the same do you feel that way a lot like do you feel like the challenges and like you know the mox qualifiers and like the paper events like even nrgs scgs do you feel like they don't connect and impact each other quite as much or like what are kind of your feelings on that because that's something that personally i felt like the Magic Online meta is able to actually adapt to things sometimes because card availability isn't a huge issue, along with like a lot of other factors. Where in real life, it's, you're always going to see like way more burn or like affinity or stuff like that, you know, just because it's a little harder to actually move decks around. So, what, what are your kind of thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I'm still kind of um, figuring out like how to get a better gauge, right, for like how it works with paper and stuff. Um, like one, I mean, literally, our regional championship ha- haven't happened yet, and I haven't attended any RCQs. I'm pretty sure RCQs are going to be a regional thing, but and I've only since COVID I've been I've been to all the NRGs except for except for one for the weekends. So that's probably like 20 total or 10 weekends and 20 20 tournaments I guess something like that. I mean 11 and 20 CU, I don't know, but it's like too low of like like a sample and stuff. But like for online you, you need to like understand like the incentives of like the people playing. So like for the standard challenge on Magic Online like latent rotation, you're like you always see aggro decks. Like you literally see like these mono green decks with this four four trample haste for four. Like and that's like I mean now it's now it's post rotation. So this is like a few weeks ago. But like you would see people and, or like Hanada or whatever like Hanada. Oh, it's like now Hanada, Hanada won the challenge three weeks and then everybody played it or whatever. And like sometimes the bias for aggro decks is removed, but people will copy paste like exactly the list at one or exactly which Amberwalkie played or whatever, just because the, the the timing of it is for the for uh, Americans and Canadians and, and you know I mean just the entire you know. Uh, Western Hemisphere. It's it's like four p.m. Uh, or whatever Central, and like five and three. So it's like sort of after all of the the important tournaments, like the PTQ of the of that Sunday or the showcase of that Sunday or whatever has happened, and it's like you didn't really like prepare for the standard challenge. You know what I mean? But then like and like the modern challenge is also just like uh, like like if I played a modern challenge, I'm probably just going to play Hammer because that's just like what I want to play or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's how most people in the event are, are operating. Like nobody's really testing for these events, but like for the the showcases and stuff. You actually do see people like you see like testing groups form for showcases because the incentive is there and so you need to sort of understand like why people like do what they're doing or whatever and like if your goal is to win a standard challenge you, you can do that and if your goal is to win a ptq it's like it's it's going to end up being different like if there's a standard ptq on magic online i'm sure there'll be standard rcqs on magic online um they're i think pro tour, the second pro tour is going to be standard um, so i'm sure that they'll i mean literally there's a standard showcase this weekend or what am i talking about and I'm sure people are testing for that. And you're going to see, like, I don't know what did well in this challenge, standard challenge. I haven't been following the format, but I think it's like a lot of a lot of the same deck because people don't test and try to innovate or whatever. But you're going to see you're going to see people with you know random tech or whatever that you haven't seen before, and you're going to see a new build of this deck, and you're maybe you're going to see a deck or two that you've never seen before because people have actually like tried for this uh, showcase challenge. And I, I, has there been a standard event for this format that people have? Like had an incentive to try for. I don't think anything bigger than a challenge. You know, I think that's probably the okay. biggest thing we've had 
Yeah, um, I mean, challenges, they're, they're cool, but they're like 50 people, and if you win, you get like $400, which is which is cool. I, I, that's, that's, that's nothing to, to sneeze at, obviously, but it's like, you don't have like these like independent groups of people like independently trying to, and like these like top tier players, like high level players, like trying to break it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, it's not like that's uh, for a pro tour. Yeah, exactly. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just like, it, it's like a cool like thing. It's like, it's very often, and I, cause I've been there, I've been playing the standard challenge after I played, you know, PTQ and, and then another thing or whatever. And like, oh, it's 4 PM and I still, I want to keep playing magic. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just copy paste, um, stamp a standard deck that looks appealing or whatever you know what i mean and like that's how a lot of the people and you know if 20 people out of the 15 black like that that's gonna have a huge effect on what on what the results look like I guess. so i don't know mm-hmm. yeah no like just understanding means to sort of summarize i guess like understanding the incentives in the tournaments and like what happens and like why people do do what they do or whatever is is really important uh <laughs> when you're like sort of trying to assess things which is again like why leagues are their actual noise like you don't listen to people who's like i cannot stress enough like don't listen if somebody says that they're 18 2 in leagues or whatever just do not listen to them they are they're just capping out of their mind almost certainly Le- like leagues people will just play whatever like people play I and mean, who cares it's like a wind down thing because the stakes are so low i mean you go three two and and you you make your money back in a chest or whatever it's like then you, you five or whatever you get like twenty dollars or, or whatever eleven chests or, or whatever it doesn't matter but like you need to understand the incentives that are in place and what like and there's never going to be like one tournament that's like this is this this tournament was super meaningful or whatever. But you need to understand what the like hierarchy, I guess, and noticing the patterns or whatever, and when to differentiate, like when it's when it's noise or mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think it's something that gets lost sometimes, where it's like leagues can be a great way to find a cool deck or something to play, like your local stuff or whatever. But that shouldn't maybe be like the best way to figure out how you're going to test for like the pro tour where like an SCG or in like, you know what I mean? Like a bigger thing that like with the stakes for you. Yeah. Uh, well, you can, mm-hmm. you can test, right. You can, cause you can still learn like the interactions and stuff mm-hmm. and you'll play, you'll play against four color and work and leagues and stuff. And you can take, you can take conclusions from that. But like, if your record in like your record in leagues is, 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 is just nuts. Like don't, yeah. don't listen to it. Like, and like, and you know, take like the gameplay conclusions, like with some amount of salt, because like people are probably throwing against you. Sideboarding bad, they're probably playing bad, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've like two, three to league, and then like at least been cash a tournament or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. that was the deck. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed to yeah. play it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and even like in, like in the same way that five owning a league is noise, two threeing a league is also noise because like for like I think four color is actually like really bad against against the coffers deck or whatever oh, yeah. uh, that I that I brought up as like a meme earlier. Like it's a it's a cool meme deck. It's fine. It's fun. It's whatever. But like. If you, you play against like mono black coffers like or whatever with four color, you get dumped twice or whatever. That's nice because if people show up to that and like they're probably not gonna do very well in a tournament because they're gonna have to play against a bunch of other top decks that are you know it's not pretty good against because they're playing Kamal coffers and Urborg and like all of these non swamps that I still don't really fully understand why we're doing that. But you know, um, not here or there. I guess. No, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to talk about because you know you've uh, you've done testing for things like the mocks. You've done uh, testing yeah. with like you know the team CFB for the pro tour and stuff like that. Yeah. How has testing been with those sort of groups and like what were you able to kind of learn and glean from that and like how have you how has that affected you going forward and like changed your process? So for the set champs, I, I tested with, with CFB and for the mocks, I, I tested with Stefan Schutz and then some various uh, people. I actually, still have the server ups. So I can tell you who was in our server. It was. Uh, Alan Bogan and Baker Neenan, Dom Harvey, Jarvis Yu, Stefan, Ryan Oligora, Alan Wu, and Tangrams, David Inglis, 
And they're just like, and and so those guys, and then CFB, just like the CF, CF, normal CFB guys that you, you think of. I learned that I suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. It's actually insane how much better. Basically, everybody I just listed, and then everybody on CFB is like so much. It's actually insane. It's and like also like testing for a pro tour is like, it's going to end up being like completely different when because you're trying to understand the incentives of the people there and everybody and everybody every single person at, at, at the set champs for New Capenna was was trying their hardest, especially because. If, if you had a nine and six record, you qualified for a paper pro tour, which almost everybody wanted. I'm, you know, I'm sure you could find like a dozen people out of the 250 or however, I don't know, people there or whatever, who like didn't try or whatever, because maybe they had work commitments or whatever. But like basically everybody was trying their hardest and, you know, I ended up not doing well in, in the, in the, in the set champs. Um, you know, I don't know. I, uh, my play was not great. I still, I made one play that really bugs me. And I don't remember the exact I don't remember the exact board, but basically I used um, a corpse appraiser to dig for a removal spell. I needed a removal spell to, to like not die. And I used a corpse appraiser instead of extractor duration, and I found my my one soul transfer, which is the the only three mana removal spell in my deck. I, most of them are two, and then I cast the soul transfer with one floating, and then they had their one make disappear, which was um, which kind of also paid two, or maybe they had two make disappears. I don't know. But then they had they had a make disappear that I could have played around if I had used iteration instead. Uh, and so that that has been in my brain for the last six months or four months or five months or whatever. Uh, but it's fine. Mistakes happen. Magic's really hard. And no, like no, the corpse okay. appraiser didn't matter. Like the extra three three, I was gonna win next turn no matter what because my board presence was like overwhelming. But like they were gonna kill me in the air with a with a legion angel. And like, oh my god, you thinking about it is just so frustrating. <laughs> uh, but I ended up doing poorly in the tournament, but it's fine because testing. I mean, every, everybody on the team was awesome. And I put the same decks as cigarettes and cigarettes top. Four or six or whatever. I don't know. Wrecked super weird, so it's kind of insane. You did really well, and you got the worlds invite and stuff. And I don't know. Just testing with with guys like that are all. Uh, I mean, the, like one, those guys are, are really good, I guess. And then like the process for testing, like like focus testing in a tournament like that is going to end up being a lot different because that then you would like an RCQ or probably even it's probably going to be kind of similar for Atlanta because people are like everybody's going to be trying in Atlanta pretty much because like you had to qualify to get there, I think. But you're still going to see people like bias away from the best deck or whatever and you're still going to see like some like a wider a range of skills than you will at the pro tour i guess you're going to see people like not playing particularly well here or there or whatever which is fine obviously it's just trying to like factor that into your decision making process i hope i'm not talking too much. no you're good too much, you're, you're good keep going I, I would stop you if you were talking too much okay yeah i don't know uh but yeah like you gotta stop now I'm just okay. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, the mox was was different. The mox was way different than any other tournament, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying like, okay, so mox. If you're not familiar, it's eight people, uh, and then there's the one that I, it's now going to be different format. It's not going to be different magic formats. It's the same format though, which just replaced formats. But it's two formats. It, it was modern, and it was vintage Q. And the winner, the person who three O's modern, plays against the person who three O's vintage Q, and then the winner of that wins the mox. And that person wins twenty thousand dollars, and the person who gets second gets fifteen thousand dollars, and then it's seventy five, seventy five hundred, seventy five hundred, and then five thousand to fill it out from fifth through eighth. So the big money's at the top, right? And then also, um, I was like familiar with most of the players in the mocks, like I knew Andre and, and Zach and stuff, and I was just basically like, when you're when it's so small, when there's just eight people or whatever, and this is probably something that you can factor in if you're playing like a, like like a twelve player local RCQ or, or whatever, and it's like most of people who are like at your store or something and you know that they're not going to be on this level or whatever, and they're just going to play, like, Tron guy's going to play Tron or, or whatever, then you can, like, factor this in, right, if you if you really want to sweat for that tournament, I guess. I try to figure out exactly what they, what they would play, and it's a little harder because, like, nobody was just 100% to play one thing, but we ended up putting Four Colors as the most popular deck and it ended up being the most popular deck, and so me and Stefan, we both brought Valakut Scapeshift's deck, 
which was really good against four color, and then all the four color players did pretty poorly, um, I think. And then I ended up winning, which is so crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Valakut was a uh, like I I wouldn't play Valakut in a normal tournament because basically like my thought was like or our, our thought was like Murktide is a really really good deck and it's really popular in a lot of tournaments because it's good against plenty of stuff, but it's it's not very good against four color. And at the time. The, the like now the most popular build is like Triple Earth, but before it was like Cavern of Souls, Endurance, Risen Reef, etc. Uh, and like the Cavern of Souls build would really, really dunk on Murktide in my practice. Um, and so we sort of figured that nobody would bring Murktide because we sort of expect this to happen. You don't want to be bad against this. We were wrong about Cascade though. Like I, I thought Cascade was being pretty popular. And what I liked about Palakid is that you could use Wish, which is a three mana sorcery to play a card from your sideboard this turn. You can get it. You get scape shift with it on seven lands, which is the amount of lands you can kill scape shifts for for eight, deal eighteen with scape shift. Uh, and then you can also use it to get chalice for X is zero that turn. And so, like I like that it was okay against living end and, and rhinos or, or maybe some psychopath brought glimpse combo or whatever. But, but yeah, I don't know. I ended up just trying to figure out exactly what people are going to play. But you can't do that for like for Atlanta. I can't tell you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Nobody knows. Like and I'll, mm-hmm. let, setting aside the fact, like for the Nurage, like it's hard. To, it's hard to say like what's going to be most popular. Like probably some amount of four color Merc Tide and stuff. But it's just so like nebulous and stuff, and like understand all the incentive structures in place. And Atlanta's gonna be especially weird because it's like there's like gonna be a new set coming out like literally that day, which is like insane. Not really sure how I'm gonna find cards, I guess. So I hope the set is very good. I think most of us are hoping the set is very good, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know. Awesome. Well, I have one last thing I want to ask you before we get to some patron questions, unless yeah. Ava has a question for you. Yeah. And this is that one thing I noticed about you, and it's not always true, but I think often when I think about you, if I had to describe you to someone, I would say you you like to master one deck. Like, I feel like you yeah. played Etron a bunch. You did the Greenlight Reclaimer. You've done Hammer a bunch. And you obviously have a wider range than that and switch decks up. You know, you even just mentioned you're probably playing four color at the next yeah. NRG. Is there is there a reason you do that? Do you like really like learning the intricacies of one deck? Or is it just kind of like you find something and you really vibe with it and you really want to like master I, that thing? I, no, I have no idea. I just do it sometimes. Sure. Um, like, I don't know. I just like, I like Hammer. And so I'll play Hammer and like I'll do okay with it. And like, you know, I mean, Magic's a game, right? Like you, you don't have to be like, you don't always have to be like optimizing for like what the very best choices or whatever like i mean i'm playing a tournament that i want to win this weekend which is going to be an rg in minneapolis so i'm just gonna play stock four color pretty much in most tournaments I, i'm gonna win like like what like two or three percent less if i'm playing hammer or whatever maybe if that like that even seems kind of high to me to be honest and like uh, and if you're still winning an acceptable amount and like you just like your deck or whatever and like i don't know like i don't really like four color that much i mean i like it fine um i'm a little worried about drawing i'm, I'm kind of bad at paper um so like i might uh, get a draw or two, hoping to avoid that. I'll be doing my best to not to get those, but that's just kind of how I how I operate sometimes. Like, I didn't want to play the Euro decks really. I just didn't really like them, I guess. So I just play Green White Reclaimer. Obviously, if you're like a Magic playing robot or whatever, and it's like, yeah, my only goal is to put my win percentage at, at the highest number possible at every possible opportunity. Then, like, yeah, you probably should play Euro or whatever. But like, it's a game, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Play the game, have fun. Yeah, that's and you know maybe that is fun for some people. I'm not saying that it's that, mm-hmm. that that's a bad way to approach things. So there's no bad way to really approach things. Yeah. yeah. Except for Commander. But let's move no. on to our Patreon <laughs> questions because we do have a couple of questions from our patrons. So I want to throw them in here. I don't yeah. want to hold you up all night. The first one I have is from Mikey. What is the worst card you've ever registered in a tournament? Oh jeez. Uh, and you can't say Mattery Shaper because I know you want to say that yeah. for the meme, but no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's not that bad. I've definitely played worse cards than that. It's like uh, exactly the same tier as Electrolyze. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this one costs two, though. <laughs> I don't know. Well, not really. I mean, there's an ancient, I guess. 
the literal worst card. I mean, there are some really embarrassing ones. I mean, cashed a, a, a GP with Tome Scour Dredge. Does that count? I had Tome Scour. Tome Scour kind of sucks. I don't know. Tome Scour does kind of suck. Yeah, it, was a, it was a team GP, and you know, uh, I played Dredge after the band Faithless Living. I was like, oh, just add some blue lands and Tome Scour. Probably fine. <laughs> oh, <right? yeah>. like, <laughs> probably totally fine. But it's not fine. Yeah, your first game you played Tome Scout hits perfect. You're like, we shouldn't do this the whole time. What were we doing this yeah, living? Great. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I just put Dark Meat with two prize dogs in the play. This is awesome. But I think this could never. But, I love that. Uh, I think I, since I've known you, if I had to nominate one, the Knight of Infamy. Oh my god, that, that's got, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah, pro white knight in oh the cigar to Zayd Hammer deck. Oh, I that forgot to do that. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning up uh, the PGQ with. And you're like, wait. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. It didn't even come up in current. Um, yeah. So people who, who don't know, I, uh, I was playing Hammer in a in a Moto PTQ, and I like lost in top eight or whatever, top four. I don't know, top eight or top four or whatever. Didn't didn't win. Uh, came close-ish, and uh, I posted my and the, the the deck that was really giving me problems at the time with blue eye control, and so I, I you know did a little little gatherer search, uh, and we found Knight of Infamy, which is one in a black, uh, for a two one. With first strike, I think, uh, and exalted, and protection from white. And I was like, "This is great. They can't solitude it, and they can't prismatic ending it. This is perfect." And like one, it can just kill them by just attacking over and over because they can't kill it. It's outside of verdict, and you can make them verdict one thing, and then you untap and do something. Because they tap it, they tap low. Then I posted my list, and then somebody was like, "Hey, did you know that your hammer with Sigardzi can't target this card?" And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that is bad. Wow. Okay. So then I played the one from Dominaria that attacked first from white instead. It was, it was pretty much the same thing. But, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, it, it doesn't have first strike because I think it trades with Kira, I think. That might not be true. Maybe I was thinking, maybe Yorion was bad against because there's something where protection was more important than Hector. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I yeah, think I think it has but, first strike, but yeah, I think yeah, it was the Yorion I mean, I thing. It, I, think it, I feel like it does, but it might not. I don't know. That that story is so funny because I I don't know because we were all in a testing Discord for the Invitational or like sharing ideas. And I remember you two talking about that card, and I was like, "Damn, that's smart," or whatever. And I like and like there was like a lot of people who you know like Kane, who's guest on the show, was there. There's a lot of smart people in that Discord, and no one caught the cigar aid thing. And yeah. like I saw you top eight, and I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "You leaked the tech, but at least you know you have a good finish. Hopefully you win." And then someone yeah. replies with that, and I'm like. Huh. I was like, wow, that was so dumb. Like, that was so dumb. Like, yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, I just, and it didn't even come up during the tournament. I didn't, I didn't have like a, like, I, I didn't even learn the hard way. Like, I didn't, like, oh my God. I, if I had won my quarterfinals match, because I, I remember now, it was the top eight. I lost to Burn in the top eight. I would have been paired versus my friend Nam Dang, who's a great player. Nam squats on Magic Online. He was playing Blue Eye Control. He ended up winning this, this, this tournament. Like, I can picture it now where I have, like, I have the Knight of Infamy in play. I have a cigar to I play a hammer, and then there's just a long pause on his screen while I'm, like, struggling. That did not actually happen, but it would have been really funny if, like, if I lost to him in a PC top eight because... <laughs> that would have been really funny. <laughs> that. that would be really funny. But, uh, unfortunately, I just got... Uh, I remember I got I got steamrolled by Burn in mm-hmm. the quarters. Yeah, I lost in, like, five minutes. So it goes. Damn. Yeah, that, that's wild. So it's funny you mentioned Namps because our next question from Adam. Adam says, after playing so much Modo and being so ingrained with the scene, what are some of the names that you look for for results that you're kind of like, oh, I feel like this person normally knows what's up? Yeah, I mean, Nam, Nam's a great example. I mean, Nam's, Nam's really good. Um, some that's Namor Squats on Modo, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's Namor mm-hmm. Squats. He, I mean, he, he definitely does a little, like, copy-paste action, which is obviously nothing, nothing wrong, no, no shame or whatever, but it's not like, 
oh wow, I, I know that Nam like definitely broke it for this the standard challenge or whatever. It's like, I fucking got face that list or whatever. But uh, that's not here nor there. But like, I don't know, just like some some good names. Oh, uh, Nate, Nate, Nate Stoyer, um, Nate Stoyer, Stoyer, uh, his name is just Nathan Stoyer on Magic Online, and then McWinsauce is really good, and Binu is really good. And uh, Standerson is really good. I'm definitely, I'm 100% missing people. These are oh, for sure. kind of. Yeah, we also like, sprung this question on you. We didn't tell you this one ahead of time, which just yeah, in, in I, hindsight, I, maybe I should have told you this one ahead of time. Yeah, but, this one, maybe <laughs> it would have been good for. But, then, but now when you leave out a friend, they're just like, oh, Will just didn't yeah, think of me, I mean, no, obviously. No, no, no shade, eh? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I, I'm just trying to think. Oh, Sam Rolf, Phil Helmuth on, on Magic Island. He's insane. He's super, super good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely more people. It's just kind of like a like Juju Bean Bean Julian uh, is also he's really good. He wins a lot, um, and he usually has has good, well thought out deck lists and stuff. Like th- those guys are are definitely some of the the people who I'm like, wow, these guys are like, I, I definitely want to pay attention to like what like I would definitely look at like a top thirty two list over of theirs over like a winning list of a, a name I've never seen before or whatever personally, but like uh yeah. winged hassar also a good friend of mine uh he's he's really good ryan Maligora, awesome player uh and usually thinks he's he's busy being a, a doctor and saving lives right now so like you know maybe you know uh cringe <laughs> li- literally literally <laughs> saved a guy's life <laughs> like re- like recently yeah, yeah, so but um yeah yeah like well, thank you so much, Will, for coming on the show. Do you want to shout out anything? Uh, you know, I know sometimes you stream on Twitch. I know you like to dunk on yeah. Commander players on Twitter. What, what, what do we got? What do we got? Okay, I want to be clear that I do not hate Commander <laughs> players. I do hate the people on Twitter who, like, use Commander Twitter or whatever as, like, a vessel through which to be as mean and nasty under, like, a guise of welcoming and acceptance. I do hate those people. But generally, Commander is cool. It's, it's just fun. I, there's nothing wrong with Commander. I, I play Commander sometimes. Not not very often. Very Let's rare. all play Commander in Atlanta as like a. a, I, mean, pre, a I have a deck. I have a precon vampire deck. Uh, I have the coin flip deck. We're we're oh, down yeah, to game. The, yeah. yeah, buy the newest precon. Yeah, nice. Uh, I do think CDH is stupid. Though. I do think that. Works, but uh, I will I, I will argue this with any CDH player. Not really, because I don't really care about their opinions. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Awesome. It's great to have Will on. He was such a great guest. I love talking to Will. Such a great player. And it's really interesting to always sort of hear his thoughts. And, you know, like Abe so accurately pointed out, he has such a different and humble way of looking at things, despite, you know, having a lot of the results and stuff that I think would lead a lot of people not to sort of be that way. So it's really great to have Will on the show. And a fellow Hammer believer. Love to have another Hammer believer on the show. It's true. We love some Hammer truths. And we didn't even have that much Hammer talk. I was expecting we have to hammer some of that out. But uh, we didn't have to get it. I do get it. I'm yeah, not laughing because it. it's a it's a hammer. Anyways, if you want to get your question asked on the show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ccmtg to support the show. Uh, last week we did a whole episode on mailbag questions from the patrons. This week you were able to ask Will a question, and you get access to the Discord of everyone in there. It's really been growing and popping. Uh, there's so many different channels and so many different things going on from all the main formats to like a serious thinking about a channel where like sometimes questions get posed. You know, we actually had a tweet from Will up there last weekend, which is very funny. Uh, we didn't get to bring that up on the show, but uh, a lot of stuff like that, you know, to even an always improving part of the Discord. So if you want to support the show, the show will always be free. But you can go to patreon.com slash gcmg to support the show. Patrons got to ask Will a question this week, so there's not one there. If you also want to get your question read on the show, one of the ways you can do that is go to youtube.com 
slash CCMTG. You'll find all the episodes there, along with our sponsor, Game Grids Lehigh's. All their 2K and higher events, they are streamed and they're uploaded there as well. So there's some awesome gameplay that you can check out from some local Utah guys. You won't get to see Spencer play because he's always commentating them. But you do have Spencer on all of those. And Abe and I are going to join for some of those down the road. We're still trying to figure that all out exactly and how to make it work technically great for the stream because we want to put the best foot forward. But that's the way to do that. We didn't have any YouTube comments on last week's episode uh, before this one. It was also a little late. It's all good. It happens. We've been super busy like we talked about earlier on the show. But... I did run in to a listener at the card monster thing, Abe, and they asked a question. And so I'm going to hit you with the question they asked me uh, since I've already answered it for them. And maybe I'll give a quick synopsis on the show here. But um, the question kind of was, how do you know that you're not just coping when it comes to a deck? How do I know that I'm not just telling myself my deck is good? Yeah. Uh because the, basically the thing they said is that like I like they basically said like I kind of agree that like it's really hard to know from results kind of like what Will said earlier in the show right like it's really hard like leagues you know blah blah noise all that sort of thing and really what matters more than the result and the numbers not 18 and 2 that doesn't matter what matters way more is kind of like how the games played out how you did that and they've recognized that from the show and they've heard us say it but they sometimes are like but how do I know I'm doing that right and how am I not just being like oh yeah like I'm coming to these conclusions because I'm winning and not like being super objective about them. I don't know. I haven't really had a huge issue with this recently Mm -hmm. um, because I've tried to be a lot more honest with myself about my decks because I know for many years that I tend to get attached and then not update my priors. And so I know it's a problem of mine. It's like a crutch. So, um, you know, if I had something more serious to play with Hammer and I was taking things really serious, like in modern, I chose Hammer. Uh, I have to be really honest with myself that I think that Hammer is the best choice available to me or that I'm allowing myself to play it, even though it's not, um, if I think it's not. But I think if you're someone who has trouble with this, what's really helped me is adopting a mindset that I need to be able to defend all of the choices that I make in a tournament to myself. I think that it's a really good practice just in general to be able to like you know debrief with yourself or debrief with a friend and like talk through all the decisions you made, especially the close ones where you're like, you know, should I have made this play or that play? Should I have boarded this in or not? Should I have mulliganed or, or kept this hand in the same way you should give that much thought to your deck choice. And if you feel like when you lay out all the information in front of you, you are trying to convince yourself that that's the case and not actually believing yourself. That's the case, especially because I mean, it works for me because I'm a very long-winded person when it comes to what I think about magic. So I have to spend a lot of time organizing all of my thoughts and then being like, yeah, no, I know that this is something I don't actually believe is true. I can find the flaw in what I'm thinking if I think that I'm holding onto a deck too much and then try to identify what the next step is. Um, and so it might help you to do the same thing, like a, a very long pros, cons, logical list of like, this is why I should play this deck. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm justifying my decision. And if it still doesn't feel right or doesn't add up maybe you should just explore something else i think that's that's how i know and i think that that's something that if you're someone who struggles with that and feels like they might get too attached um can help you and and definitely feel free to share that with someone who you trust and who you work with or play with or talk magic with um because their perspective might run counter to yours and you might you know even if you wind up disagreeing with what you have disagreeing about what you're saying i think that you'll be able to have you know a really productive conversation that either 
lets you learn what their perspective is and is coming from so you can make a better decision down the line or kind of exposes a flaw that you might not even notice in your own logic that will uh, allow you to make a better decision down the line. So it's all upside. Yeah, I think that's really good. I said a lot of that similar stuff and like endorse it. And one, one thing that I said is that uh, kind of in this line is like you should try attacking your deck like you like it's not good. Like try and figure out like what is weak about it and sort of pressure those sort of thoughts, especially if you don't have someone that will push back against you. And then also I mentioned taking it to friends that are maybe not because, you know, they mentioned it being copium, but like maybe not in the same Kool-Aid, right? Where it's like if I go and talk to like, let's say someone like Kane about four color uh, who we had on the show before Kane love, loves four color. I love four color. We might echo chamber each other a little bit. Right. Whereas if I come to Abe about it, who like maybe respects four colors, your deck, but isn't, you know, in the weeds about it as much, it has a completely different perspective and then very different than Spencer who respects four color as a deck, but thinks that there are much better decks to play or other things, you know, like that. So there's, you know, and then like that list goes on and on and on. I have friends like uh, Jesse uh, who won the NRG a couple weeks ago, who like used to be a four color truther and is now lower on the deck, but still pretty high on it. So like knowing where your people are and kind of presenting information to them and talking to them, I think is super helpful. And sometimes I approach conversations with these people uh, from the perspective that isn't even the one I honestly believe, but I want to hear how they're, how they would think through the problem and see if we're coming to the same conclusion. Right. Because if I come to Abe and I'm like, yeah, I just really feel like Leyline binding is just too clunky and just like, doesn't actually answer enough. And it's just kind of awkward that I can get, get answered on the board, blah, blah, blah. And if Abe can come to similar conclusions about that, maybe, or have similar thoughts that I have already when I'm pushing back against him, then we might actually be onto something or he might also expose something in what I'm saying that he's like, yeah, totally true. Also, like people are just going to bring in this card for you anyways that lines up so well against it. So like why expose yourself, right? And so like doing that sort of thing can be really helpful, I found. So hopefully that was helpful to you and it was so great to meet you this weekend. Abe, listeners got all this help and they had probably had a great time today to listen to everything, but they should also check out the rest of the network. We have drafting uh, archetypes with Sam Black and Sam is all in the Dominaria United uh, Limited. So you want to make sure to definitely check that out on the network. And you want to check out Common Knowledge. Abe, there was a popper ban yesterday. A bunch of initiative cards left the format. I'm sure they're going to be talking all about that this week. So make sure to go check out Common Knowledge on the Constructed Criticism Network. Abe, if someone wants to find you, where can they go? Find me at twitter.com slash more nothings. Uh, you can always DM me for coaching queries. I do still have some time slots available for people. I really just want to help people improve, uh, especially with Hammer Time, but also with a wide variety of Pioneer decks. I'm very comfortable with uh, just about every deck in Pioneer that you could think of. So Primer slash guide, I guess you would call it, uh, for Pioneer. So if you've been interested in that deck, maybe the combo is a little confusing. Maybe you kind of talked yourself off it. You might want to check out that article. It should be really cool. You can also DM me about coaching. Uh, on Twitter, which is at Mason E. Clark. And you can also reach out to me via email about that if that's something you prefer. Maybe you're not on Twitter uh, with Mason E. Clark at gmail.com. That's my email. Feel free to send me about that and we can talk about that. And make sure to check out next week's episode of Constructed Criticism. <laughs>